0: Thank you so much father. for joining us thank for this week's message from Real Life Community, we talk about connecting with God and others, and growing in Christlikeness, and sharing God's life I thank with the for world. Ways that you have moved My name is Sarah Comer, lives. and I serve How each some of as Connections Pastor, making sure that you, are we them right you right know now. that there is a God, and God I in the community pray that, that you loves would you and wants to go through those the seasons of, of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org. And we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message attention. meets you right where you are and helps you yeah, know just how deep the Father's love is for you. That we see, experience the lives of those Lord, I pray for those who who doubt today. God, I'm I'm thankful for every one of them, but God, I just pray that you would take their doubt, you would transform that. Into belief. Not because they have to, but because they want to. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Raise your hand if God has at some point in your life moved a mountain all over the place. Love it. So let's discuss for just a moment here. Share with those around you about something that you have done at some point in your life that was bigger than yourself, the kind of thing that you didn't know how you were going to do it, but you did it. Uh, It was just you didn't have the resources yourselves. You didn't think you had the skill uh, or the time or whatever, uh, but you did it, and uh, maybe you succeeded, maybe not. Uh, but take a moment and share that with the people around you. Ready, set, go. bring it back. Um, I, I was thinking, what would I have shared with you had I been sitting next to you? And there's probably a few things, but one of them is like a trend in our life, uh, Chrissy and my life. If you haven't noticed or caught on, um, chrissy has been putting out these 25 days to 25. Uh, later this month, we get, we're get we celebrating 25 years of being married. And um, yeah, she put up with me that long. Uh and she's just been sharing story after story after story about things that have gone on in our life over the last 25 years. And she really blows me away because I, I said to her, Chris, how do you even remember what happened 17 years ago? And she says, I just look at the pictures. So that's one of her spiritual gifts. She's a picture taker, and she's a chronicler, and she just gets to share. But one of the trends uh, that has been present in our life that really was bigger than um, – that has always been bigger than ourselves – Is moves, Um, moves following God's lead in our life. Um, After uh, college, uh, we moved to Michigan where we served for six years, and then there was just this stirring in us, and we we ended up in Texas. And I tell you, I did not want to go to Texas. If any of you, I I know some of you are like from Texas. Sorry, Johnsons. Um, But I had said to myself at one point, I'm I'll never live in Texas. I don't know why I said that but I did. And God always laughs when we say I'll I'll never do something right. Uh, And we ended up in Texas out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And I remember pulling into town that first night and I said, oh my gosh, God, what the heck are you doing in our life? I don't know that I can do this. And I remember standing on the platform that first Saturday in Hereford, Texas, they had a back-to-school block party at the church for the area high school's. And we were in a sanctuary space that sat about 400 students, and there was twice as many there. And I stood up on that platform, and I looked out, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I can't do this." But God reminded me, "I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking you to let me do this through you." Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been the narrative. You know, we moved to Michigan again, where we transitioned from youth ministry into lead pastor, and then we moved from Michigan down here and. We've navigated COVID, I think, as a church, pretty stinking well. Um, We've had our bumps and our bruises. It hasn't been flawless, but I just feel like we've done a good job. And I just am so thankful for a God who has moved mountains in our lives, a God who is just wanting to journey with us, and just all God asks for is our faithfulness, you know, just taking one step at a time. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to... I want to get back to a passage of scripture uh, that really came to my heart and my mind uh, that I haven't been able to get away from this week. uh, And that's in Luke chapter four, verses 16 through 21. Let me read this passage for you today. Uh, When he came to Nazareth, we're talking about Jesus. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. Big point right there. He stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. I can just picture this scene. Jesus is sitting there. Everyone's watching like, okay, so what? Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Church, this is the word of God for the people of God in the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. So, of anyone who could have, of anyone who could have, Jesus did not come forward at the beginning of his ministry and claim some new fandangled way of doing things. Jesus didn't uh, separate himself as like the guru, the head honcho, the guy who was gonna get it done. This passage of scripture takes place in Luke's gospel. Shortly after Jesus was baptized, he was sent out into the wilderness where he was tempted and tried for 40 days. He has come back from the wilderness now. And this is one of the very first things we see Jesus doing, and that is showing up in a synagogue. A synagogue, uh, for just reference point, uh, in the Jewish kind of way of living out the faith, there was the temple, which was like the center of the faith. That would have been in Jerusalem. But then there were these synagogues, and these synagogues would pop up in communities all around the area. And people, instead of traveling to the temple every week, which was just not, not possible, they would be able to travel to their local synagogue where they would encounter the scripture reading. They would uh, encounter teaching. About the scripture, they would sing songs, they would be formed and shaped by those things. Sounds a whole lot like what we do here, except in our tradition, we really don't have a temple, but we have local churches, congregations, bodies of believers who gather together in communities all around the world to worship, to read scripture to be hear teachings, to be formed and shaped around the narrative of God. And so this is where Jesus shows up. It says that uh, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. This is an important thing to hear because Jesus could have done anything, but Jesus always defaulted back to the customs, the habits, the rhythms that formed him and shaped him. He knew who he was because of the time that he spent in synagogue. He knew who he was because of the scriptures that had been read that he had heard even as a child. He knew who he was because every week he had been formed and shaped and reminded of who he was, not just the son of God, but part of the people of God. So Jesus wasn't starting something new. In fact, what Jesus did that day was make a very clear declaration that what he was up to was something old. It was something that they had been anticipating, waiting for, for quite some time. Jesus pulls out the scroll of Isaiah, and out of uh, Isaiah 61, he quotes this passage. What he's saying is, I today in the fulfillment of, of what Isaiah spoke about so long ago. So Jesus was saying, hey, I'm just trying to be faithful to this unfolding narrative of God, of which I get to be a part of now. Remember, this is Jesus. This is Jesus, the one who could have gone out and said, hey, I'm here, showed up, let's get started, let's do this thing. But Jesus went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He read the scriptures as was his custom. And he began a ministry that we still talk about today. We are still experiencing today. And what's important about what he said here was he did not say, hey, I am Jesus and now I am going to do something here. No, he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he listed a few things that that spirit was going to do in his life through him. But every single one of those had an effect on other people. So the spirit of God, who has been at work from the beginning of time, before the beginning of time, throughout all creation, Jesus says, that spirit is upon me. And that spirit was also going to be the one who's going to raise him from the dead years later. But Jesus says, no, what I'm about, what I'm going to be up to is what the spirit is gonna do in this place. In these places, among this people, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus was saying, I, he wasn't saying, I, I'm my own deal. Jesus was saying, I'm, I'm not my own deal. I am dependent upon the spirit's work in my life to fulfill that which God has in store for us. Now, as we read passages of scriptures like this, as we reflect on them, and maybe you've heard this passage before, maybe this is the first time. But as we hear these things, we should be thinking, in part, okay, if the Spirit will do that in Jesus, what does the Spirit want to do in me? Remember, the Spirit that is at, at work raising the dead to life, that same Spirit that has empowered Jesus to to proclaim uh, release for the captives and and to set free those who are oppressed and to provide food for those who are hungry. That spirit wants to do something through us. It's the same spirit at work in you that was at work in Jesus, which gives you a whole lot of clout because you're not living life on your own. Well, I hope you're not. I hope that daily... Moment by moment, in every situation, you find yourself dependent upon the spirits at work in your life. So much so that when a decision comes to mind, it's not just what I feel like I want to do, but we go back to the ways we've been formed and shaped, and we might ask this question, God, what do you want me to do? what needs to happen in my life so that i can be a part of what the spirit is doing all around me so this question that i posed to you this morning about what's the spirit wanting to be up to in your life guys gals you got to answer this you cannot walk out of this place and just chalk this up as another nice message hopefully you, 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 you need to do something with this because if Jesus understood that he needed to do something with this and he's the son of God, who are we to say, I don't need to do anything with that? That kind of arrogance is the arrogance that gets us into trouble and sets us on a path away from what God wants in our lives. So let's talk about a few things, the customs of Jesus um, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. Jesus was in the habit of going to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, pastors are supposed to say stuff like this, but I, 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 hope, I hope you hear that this is more than just the pastor's obligation. I, I hope that you hear this as the deep felt heart cry of a pastor who recognizes, folks, if you are not engaged with the people of God on a regular basis, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. Have we always gotten it right? No, we haven't. And I'm speaking very generally here. Have we in the church made some really bad decisions in the past? Yes, we have. Have we failed people? Yes, we have. And you know when that was? It was when we were making it about us, not about the work of God. Have we in the past dropped the ball when it comes to taking care of others? Yes. There have been times where we have done that. There have been times when the church has sided with people in history that that have pushed an agenda that is exactly opposite what Jesus would want for us. When we begin writing our narrative into the story of God, we begin diluting that story, that reality, and it becomes marred and murky and confusing and damaging to the point that some people are like, I like your Jesus, but I just don't like you. And sometimes I want to say, I agree but that's when we're at our worst. At our best, we are a people that love on each other. We take care of each other. We uh, hold each other accountable. We um, take food to you when you're sick or when you've had babies. We celebrate things with you. We grieve with you. We journey the long road to recovery with you. We, at our best, we are the hands and feet of Jesus which is exactly what Jamie was talking about last Sunday, at our best. But we are never at our best if we forget the rhythms and their traditions and the, uh, and the customs that are a part of being the people of God. I, I can, I'm not a betting man, okay? In fact, I don't think I've ever bought a lottery ticket I just would rather do better things with that money than buy a piece of paper. Um, I, I, you know, I know probably some of you have, and that's fine, I guess. But um, I, when, when it comes to the customs that I want to be a part of, it's, it's the customs that are going to form me and shape me, where my dependence is on Christ, yeah. not other things. But when, but I will bet on this one. I will put money down on this. Um, when, When I see people become less and less frequent worshiping together with the people of God, I can tell you and I can guarantee you where you'll end up. You will end up in a place where you doubt Jesus, you hate the church, and you think that you can do it on your own. But if Jesus, the Son of God, had customs of going to synagogue on the Sabbath weekly, don't you think we maybe need to do the same thing? Even when we're tired? Can I just be honest with you this morning? I woke up this morning and I'm exhausted. But the idea of being able to gather together with the people of God gets me going. So the customs of Jesus formed him in very specific ways. It was because of these customs that Jesus was able to do what Jesus did. He was able to speak the way he was able to speak. He was able to quote scripture the way he was able to quote scripture. He saw himself a part of the narrative of God because of the time that he spent in these traditions, these customs that were just a part of the rhythm of his life. He was formed because of them. The cousins of Jesus formed him specifically. You might say, well, Jesus really didn't need that. I mean, really, I mean, Jesus, Jesus could have done all this stuff without synagogue. I argue that point with you. Jesus was deliberate about the time he spent with his father and the time he spent with the people. So Jesus had to go through it. I think maybe we need to do it as well. The customs of Jesus formed him specifically for the purpose of the dead, decaying, and destroyed. This is where I love real life because we are doing our best to live into the reality that we are a place for people who are struggling with death, decay, and destruction in their life. And I was talking to Jordan this morning. We had a really good chat this morning. And I said to Jordan, I said, you know, I think the recovery community in the church, need to have a better conversation together. Because the thing I love about the recovery community is they hit the bottom and they understand, dude, I have nothing to boast about. This is who I was. And this is what took, they own it. I said to Jordan, I said, I think that there's a bunch of people in the church. If this is the bottom, they're hovering right about here. And if they would only get to the bottom, they would be able to say, oh my gosh, I have. I just, I just. guess I got to be honest here. I got to be truthful. I mean, there are times where I have been in Jordan's presence and Craig's presence where they just kind of share their junk, right? They're like, I was this. I struggle with these things. How many of you, don't raise your hands. Well, maybe, I, whatever. Um, how many of you would be willing to stand up and just say, you know what? I dealt with this, but now God has done this in my life. I think Nola's doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nola's just praising, I, I gotta just sidetrack. Um, I love communion and I love being able to do it as a family because I get to see some things that are just amazing. Um, when Nola came to receive communion, which she didn't, she was being kind of drugged to the front um, by mama. Um, as they were walking away, Nola wanted a piece of that bread and that juice. And I wonder, Noah, I think you've taught us something this morning, and it's this. What if we all wanted Jesus the way she wanted Jesus this morning? I think it'd be awesome. So thank you, Noah, for teaching us. Um, so the customs of Jesus prepared him to do something about death, decay, and destruction. And not just those realities, but the people who were dealing with death, decay, and destruction. And church, can I just be honest? We all flirt with this stuff on a weekly basis because we're human. We're just human. And if we could get to the place where we recognize that God has something to do about death, decay, and destruction, and can I just, let me just harp on on this for a moment. Where are you going to get that message ingrained in your being that God can do something about your death, decay, and destruction if you are not here? Where are you getting it? Because I guarantee you, There's other things that we are all giving our lives to out there that are not telling us about that. And I wonder, and I don't want to belittle this point because I know this is a serious point. I want to just make it very clear this morning that... um, What was I going to be clear about this morning? (laughs) Um, We have got to be connected to the reality that God moves mountains. How many places out there are you singing that God moves mountains? That God makes a way? Ah, this is my point. I don't want to belittle this point at all. But I think, and I'm not a a psychologist, I'm not a counselor, I'm I'm just a pastor who has lived life with people for 20-some years now. I think the amount of anxiety and depression in our culture would be affected if people could get back to the reality that there's a God who can move mountains. Now, if you are dealing with depression and anxiety in your life, please don't hear me say, just pray more. Because there's real help that needs to be given and received. But can I just... I, I just firmly believe that, that a God who understands resurrection, God can do some, that God can do something about anxiety in your life. But it requires not just you asking God to do something. It involves you, like Jesus, being formed around the rhythms of you know, synagogue and Sabbath or being a part of the church. I, I, I have a great appreciation for last Sunday's message, and there's a few things that I want to just point out. One, I was reminded that it is the word of God that forms us to be the hands and feet of God. Nothing else does that. Um, We gather on Sundays and throughout the week to relive and rehearse who we are as the people of God. Uh, And when we're not together, uh, we're not being formed around that. Two, I was reminded that compassion or social justice is not some new program of the church This is the very heartbeat of God for creation. It isn't something we're trying to do for God. It is something that we are allowing God to do through us. We are hands, feet, arms, mouthpieces, ears, eyes. We are the ambassadors of hope for people. Three, I was reminded that compassion or social justice is about living generously towards others. And sometimes... That's hard because we let other narratives kind of speak into us like, well, maybe they deserve it. I prefer the message that says, let's just be generous and let's err on that side rather than erring on the side of being stingy. I'm so thankful that our God is not a stingy God, amen? I'm thankful that our God is a generous God. And do you think you deserve God's generosity? By yourself, no, but by the grace of God working in you, you do deserve it. Uh, Four, I was reminded that, and this is a challenging one, we are called to take responsibility in our own life for those in the world who are in need. And there is a wide variety of need out there. Um, Five, I was also reminded that real life is already engaged in a lot of compassion. Uh, take a look at the image that I'm hoping Sarah was able to get together. And I'm hoping, yes, thank you, Lord, for getting us back together. Um, These are just some of the things that I wrote down that we as a church are already engaged in as the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, Highway bags. We pack those so that you guys, and we need to pack some more, so that you all can have them in your vehicle so that when you stop at a stoplight, and there's that person who needs something, and you want to do something, but you're not quite sure what to do. Uh, Doors of Hope, uh, an organization that helps uh, women coming out of incarceration in our community. Uh, the Blessing Box, a tangible way for us to provide food for people in need and to mobilize the community to do that. We're not the only one with a Blessing Box in this community, but it's there, and we get to be a part of it. Uh, Portico, Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, Journey Home, cross bridge, Alabaster, Crisis Care Kits, Operation Christmas Child, Mission Trips, Thanksgiving Offering, Easter Offering. These are tangible ways that we are doing what God has called us to do, but we don't do that simply because they're good ideas. I hope that you don't do this stuff because we we hound you to do it. I hope you do this stuff because... You have been formed and shaped by the narrative of God that says the spirit of God is upon you. And part of what the spirit wants to do in you and through you is be ambassadors of hope for people who are desperately looking for it. So you've got these things that we are already involved in. And I love this. Some of these, you all are like really involved in some of them. They're on the periphery and we aren't quite involved in them, but we're aware of them. I love, I was able to go to uh, Crossbridge, which is a ministry in Nashville uh, that helps transition people basically from the streets to places where they can thrive in life. And I got to go to their their banquet um, with the Wilsons last week, week before, and just see what happens when people become the hands and feet of God. And here is my, Chris, Christy just, we were sitting in the presentation at the end where they were just telling the story and they had a video of all of the people who have come from really bad places and they are now in great places. And it happens to be that all of them were their staff who have come from rough stuff and now have places of ministry and, and hope and they're, they're living the, their best life. And we're sitting there And Parker was standing behind us with his grandpa and he kept calling when a new face came. I said, that's Mrs. or that's Mr. or that's, and he would call them by name. And Parker has no clue of the old story. He just knows them by name. And I think that is a great way to look at what God wants to do in our lives. God doesn't see our brokenness anymore. He sees what we're capable of. So when it comes to what the Spirit of God wants to do in us, I am just so thankful that we get to be a part of these things that we're already doing. And some of these things are global things, where we are making an impact in people's lives around the world. A little church here in Murfreesboro has a global impact because we are a part of the people of God. And then six, I was reminded that last week that we don't do these things because they are good ideas. We do them because they are the things that God is already doing. We simply get to join God in them. Um, There's one thing that I just wanna share with you that's troubling my heart these days. And it has come to my attention because of a gentleman who has stopped by our church on occasion I've known him uh, for probably about a year, and he comes, and he doesn't always come asking for assistance, but he comes because he has found a pastor who at least is willing to hear him and pray for him. Well, the story that I continue to hear from him is that it is just near impossible for he and his wife to find housing, um, s- s- stable housing. And as I've been thinking about this, hearing his story, and reflecting, and talking to other people. I've come to recognize this, and I don't know if this is a a, a real term or not, but I'm coining the term if it is, so maybe you've heard it first here. Um, I, I feel like Murfreesboro, and we're not the only place, is becoming a housing desert. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are people who are working hard or are in situations where they still can't find a place to live. And they are living in their cars. They're living on friends' couches. They're hopping from place to place. Uh, They are becoming what we call homeless. And, you know, what could we do as a church? Well, you know, maybe we go buy a bunch of housing and we let people stay there. But ultimately, that doesn't solve the problem. And one of the things that I believe that the Spirit of God wants to do in us, but I'm not sure what that looks like, and maybe you all are smarter than I am and we can figure this out together, but what does it look like to address the issue underneath that? Uh, We all recognize that uh, Murfreesboro is becoming and has been for a while a really expensive place to live. And there are people who just can't find apartments. And I think some, for some of them, there are some issues in our, our, our rental practices in our community that are pushing people out. So I wanna invite you to pray with me about this because we all go to bed pretty comfortable at night and I would love to see more people be able to do that. But I don't know how we're gonna get there. But I believe that the Spirit of God is upon us. Let me paraphrase. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is what we get to be a part of doing because the spirit is at work within us. So church, stand with me. I'd like us to just think for just a brief moment and I'd like us to ask the Lord, God, show us what you want us to do as the people of God. And it's really easy for us to think along those lines and think, well, the church will take care of that. No, I, I, want you, I want you to be on the front line there. God, what do you want me to do as a person of God who is a part of the people of God? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, we come to you and we give you thanks. We give you praise that you are a, a mountain-moving God. You are a way-making God. You are a God who is already at work within creation. You care about humanity more than we do. You have the provisions more than we do. God, and I just pray that you would help us recognize that you have placed your spirit upon us and there's a lot that comes with that. Lord, help us be driven by the spirit's work in our life. Lord, drive us to our knees in prayer. Draw us to the gathering of your people as we worship and as we, we read scripture together and as we are formed around your teaching. God, I just pray that you would mobilize Real Life Community Church and the people within it to be your ambassadors of hope. So Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Church, this week as we go, My prayer is that you will see people the way God sees them. You would hear people the way God hears them. You would encounter people the way God encounters them, and you would be reminded that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you for a reason. Might you live out that reason this week. Until we meet again, be blessed, but don't hoard it. Be a blessing. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.